everyone, welcome back to that Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. How's it going, Michelle? Uh, it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. That's good. I uh, feel like I actually owe you quite the apology. Why? Because I 100% ditched you. You what? I 100% ditched you last week. Like, we had apparently a plan to have the podcast, oh. and then I, like, was a total no-show. <laughs> and... What I kept thinking of is you'll be like, bitch, let's play the tape because you know that was on, like we recorded the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there next Tuesday. It sounds great. I mean, I, I wrote it down. I thought we, <laughs> we made a plan, but. Nope. That's okay. Apparently not. I had zero recollection and I fell asleep <laughs> early that night. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I'm sorry, Caitlin. That's okay. But here we are. Yes. After I, then I have to cancel you on you again. Oh, that's right. You did. I was selling a house. Whatever. What a bee. Uh, I'm used to it. So <laughs> oh, I, was, I know. I, I know. <laughs> uh, what did uh, I tell you when we first started this? What? You tell me where to be and I'll be there 10 minutes later. Yeah. And also maybe a next day or so yeah, later. Three no. days later. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. You really can't <laughs> count on that first, <laughs> that first booking with me. I always have a backup day. <laughs> It's keep a second. Oh, now I'm like sweaty and hot. (laughs) That's okay because we're going to post pictures for my wedding. Oh, yes. We look through them all. There's so many. But we're just posting ones of us, Um, not even my husband's. (laughs) Well, the ones of your husband are super good. The ones with me in it, it's like, oh, that's disappointing. I'm sorry, Caitlin. No, don't even. They captured our friendship. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well said. (laughs) Kill me. I laugh with my mouth wide open. <laughs> like I could catch so many flies. Hey, we crack each other up. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like the most important thing? I think so. I mm. think so. That's good quality to have. That's right. Uh, what are we drinking? Gin Rickies. Ooh. So um, I had never had these and I was flipping through this like mythology book that I had and I was like, this looks super good. It's like a Tom Collins except with lime. So and then I realized it's not. So I was wrong. Oh, I apologize. Okay. Um, it's a very not sweet drink. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for something refreshing for the summer. A little sour. A little mm-hmm. sour. This is your drink. So we went three ounces of gin and then we did like an ounce and a half of lime juice. Mm-hmm. And then you put that in a glass over ice and then fill the rest of the glass with club soda and top with a little lime wedge. You're yeah. ready to go. Or if you were like, you know, Caitlin and I, and I made simple syrup because I thought there was simple syrup in it. Yeah. We just put a little dollop of simple syrup in. Yeah, just a little bit of sweetness, yeah. you know? So it's almost like limeade with gin now. Yeah. and It's re- very tasty. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. All right. Should we just get right into it? Uh, Well, we also have our swag oh t-shirts gosh. on. Yes, we do. So uh, I feel like we did a little bit better yes. this time. You did good. Yeah. So we found a different company. Yes. And so we're going to try this company out. And so we've... we're wearing our brand new t-shirts. They fit great. They're thick. I like, uh, I really do like them. Yeah. They don't have holes already in the <laughs> seams. Sorry. It's all very exciting. Uh, Also, uh, we just want to get the logo a little bit bigger. So we're still playing with it. Yeah. We're still playing but with it. But we're so close, guys. We're so close. It's very exciting. All right. Get into your story, Kaylin. All right. Let's hear this thing. This story is about Kelly Minsel. Kelly Minsel. Kelly is 17 years old, and she lives in Australia. Oh, okay. And it is I'm just... I'm like, down under. No. I'm That's better. That's... You're getting good. <laughs> You're improving. 
Each time. Good. Uh, less piratey, more <laughs> yeah. Australian. Yes. <laughs> so it's December 2009, and she's driving through the countryside heading to the beach. Oh, okay. Beach day. Sounds like a nice day. So she's driving around 60 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And actually... She falls asleep, and she oh. woke up on the other side of the road, heading towards a pine forest. What? She swings the wheel, and the car rolls five times. <gasps> so she wakes up. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Tries to, like, probably yeah. stop herself, correct mm-hmm. herself, and ends up just flipping her car. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yep. So Kelly is now unconscious and trapped. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> but some good Samaritans... Found her, and they called an ambulance, and she was rushed to the hospital. They thought she broke uh, her neck, but actually she had no major injuries. What? She was bruised and had some whiplash, but no broken bones. She states, I was extremely confused and couldn't understand how I could have fallen asleep while driving. I was so traumatized that I was afraid of everything. Oh, I have almost fallen asleep, and I think I actually have fallen asleep for like, one second or two mm-hmm. seconds, and then you sort of wake up, and it's like, oh, shit, I think I just fell asleep. I fell asleep, Ugh. I and then I woke up, and I was in the other lane, and I was like, oh. Oh, that's very scary. It's very scary. So, well, it was like, what was it, what's it called when you're like, just, it was midnight, I was driving down the freeway, yeah, and it was it's just, just monotonous, and. And I didn't even realize, and then, yeah, I woke up, and I t- Rolled all the windows down, and yep. I didn't realize how easy it actually can it be. I used to commute, um, and it was like an hour and 20 minutes to oh, and wow. from work. Mm-hmm. And on the way home from work, there was this, like, certain part of the freeway that all of a sudden, like, every single day, I was just getting super sleepy mm-hmm. right in that area. Yeah. To the point, it's like, I got to pull off, and I'm going to try to sleep. But now that I've pulled off, I'm wide awake, so I'm right. going to get back on the freeway, and then I'm instantly drowsy again. Oh, and it's so, wow. Driving when you're sleepy is, like, the worst. Yeah. Ugh. It is. I didn't think it would be that easy, but I haven't done it since. No, it's, it's it, rough, man. Yeah. It's very unpleasant. I just know better now. Yeah. Ugh. So less than a week later, Kelly and her family head to their family vacation house by Murray River in Blanchetown to get some much-needed rest because okay. Kelly's been pretty much bedridden with the whiplash and, I mean, oh, yeah. and also just scared to leave, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a pretty traumatic car accident to have oh, your yeah. car roll over five times and then be stuck. Ugh, forget it. When I had my, when I was rear-ended recently, I didn't go on the freeway for <laughs> a little while. A little while, Yeah. yeah. Um, but Kelly and her dad went onto their speedboat to enjoy the water. Mm. Uh, they tried to get the boat started, but it was struggling a little bit. And then all of a sudden the engine exploded, turning the boat into a fireball. What? She states, all I can remember is hearing a loud bang and then seeing fire coming towards my eyes. So I closed them. I tried to get off the boat, but I tripped. And then I looked down, both my legs were on fire. (gasps) Oh, my God. So she's recovering from this horrific car accident. And now the boat has just exploded that she's on. And her legs are on fire. Yep. Just to be clear, what the F has happened to this poor girl? I know. So she does get up, and then she jumps into the water. Kelly was horrified to see her skin floating in the water. (gasps) Oh, I'm horrified to hear that. I know. She quotes, like a flag waving in the wind. Oh, I can, yeah, that is a graphic right? <laughs> like vision 
Because I can completely imagine that. Absolutely. But she was in shock, but still in extreme pain. And Kelly's dad was still on the boat, stuck and on fire, too. (gasps) Oh, no. He finally gets off, and they both have to wait two hours before taking to the hospital because they're in a remote area. Oh, my God. So they had to, like, sort of get themselves Mm on the land and then... Wait. Oh, my God. Yep. Wow. Kelly's legs, arms, and face had suffered serious burns. Her torso did not get badly burned because she actually was wearing a life jacket. Oh, that's, well, so, that's something. So she got second degree burns everywhere except for really wow, her torso. Wow, where the life jacket was. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So within one week, Kelly survived two very deadly accidents. Gosh, Kelly. I know. Uh, didn't go really too much about the dad, but he survived as well. Oh, well, that's good news. Yeah. Um, but now she has a long road to recovery, not just physically, but mentally as well. Yes. Poor thing probably never wants to leave the house. No. Everything seems dangerous. You can't even go on vacation, man. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah, you're out to get some R&R. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Boat explodes in your face. <sighs> Suck. Kelly had to learn how to walk, and she couldn't have her burnt skin in the sun for two years. <gasps> oh, so my goodness. she pretty much did have to stay inside or, you know, cover up. Wow. She states, I definitely got a lot of stares, especially with pink skin, missing hair, and no eyebrows. Oh, poor thing. No, right? Kelly was also diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety (laughs) and depression. Even going back to school playing basketball, she had to cope with the girls from other schools making fun of her and mean comments. those bitches. Oh, my God. (sighs) Even some of them didn't want to block her because they were scared of her appearance. I could see being scared of not wanting to hurt her. Right. Like accidentally rubbing up against her and, mm-hmm. you know, hurting her burns even more. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. everyone else is a total B. I know. It's, I just don't get people. I don't. I, yeah, agreed. Agreed. This person's, you don't know someone's story, people. Don't judge a book by their cover. Well, I mean, even my little nephews in mm, wheelchairs, yeah. like, got totally bullied yeah. in their middle school and high school years. It's like, are you serious right now? I just don't understand why people would be rude to other people. I just don't get it. I, I don't know. I have I'm, no idea. Yeah, I can't even imagine what, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I don't have any explanation I don't, for I don't people's either. cruelty sometimes. It just, it just shocks me how mean people can be. It's yeah. just, ugh. But Kelly was determined the near-death tragedies wouldn't prevent her from leading a healthy, happy life. Oh, good. She went to frequent counseling sessions and started to work out regularly. All right. She went to the gym, went on hikes and walks. She states, when I actually realized how good exercising made me feel because... Of the endorphins it releases, I began to recover physically and mentally. Oh. I now go to the gym six times a week and do a lot of body workout exercises, as well as functional movements, exercises, and work with weights. All right. I know, right? Getting her power back. That's right. Is that a song? No. Oh, I that's good. I made it up just a second. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it was good. So today, Kelly is actually a personal trainer, and she shares her exercise and health tips on her Instagram at Kelly Mensel, K-E-L-L-I-E-M-E-N-C-E-L. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Bitch, you're not on Instagram. (laughs) Called me out immediately. (laughs) 
no. God damn it, I'm not checking anything out. Are you kidding? Maybe I'll Google her. (laughs) And I'm sure she's not looking for workout tips. (laughs) Oh, and I'm sweaty again. I'm (laughs) sorry. I did call you out. I'm sorry. No, no, it's true. Uh, It's fine. We got to keep it real, Caitlin. We got to keep it real. Maybe you should be on Instagram then. Maybe you should now. (sighs) Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Kelly sees that it is her responsibility to inspire and motivate others. She knows she is meant to be here and giving back is very important to her. Oh, oh I, I love know. that. I know. She's sweet. meant to be here, goddammit. You... Everyone's meant to be here. Yep. She states, I want people to know that there is an amazing, easy thing you could do called exercise. Okay. Which... <laughs> Fuck yourself, Kelly. <laughs> We're done now. <laughs> Which can help you in many ways. I still have a few physical scars, but I feel incredibly lucky and I'm very excited for the future. Well, I started working out, so it actually is... You've been working out forever. (laughs) Well, the body sure doesn't show it, but... (laughs) uh, No, uh, yeah, I've been taking my friend's hit classes, which Mm. is um, like high-intensity interval torture. That I like to say. Yeah, it's training, well but torture, I like to say. Um, but it's good, yeah. I mean, I think the hardest part for me is getting there. But afterwards, I feel great. You no, know? it's true. So, uh, I'm so glad that Kelly found, like, she found purpose. She knows that she's supposed to be here, and she found something she loves to do. And she turned that into a career, pretty much. She found something she loved and shared it with people. And No, that is it. amazing. It is amazing. Well done. And... Who knows how many other people she has inspired. Oh, absolutely. And burns. Oh, my God. We have a friend who just recently got burned all over his arm. Oh, really? And so I was trying to give him tips on Uh how to keep the pain at bay, Mm. you know, because burns are excruciating. Yeah. And just my main thing is, like, just don't pop those blisters. You got (gasps) to let those blisters go for as long as you can. Really? Because as soon as soon as it's open raw skin oh it hurts so bad oh i bet it hurts so bad <laughs> but uh two incidences in a week like that's yeah that's I, rough. Uh, I think that would give me some trauma as well it's like i can't do anything yeah well even... you would definitely want to kind of like what's going on here yeah that i you know what is what is the universe trying to tell me right now what it's trying to tell her is that she needs to, she does matter. And exactly. that she can be an inspiration to everybody. Love it. Love mm-hmm. it. Good job, Kelly. Proud of you. All right, Michelle, it is your turn. Woo, woo, woo. Okay. So I'm going to take us back to July 11th, 2014. Okay. Nice. And so we are along the British Columbia, Canada coastline. Okay. And so this story is about uh, Don McNeese. Mm-hmm. And he has uh, an airplane that he sort of jumps from these two different areas in British Columbia, uh-huh. kind of to take people to fishing. Like, essentially, oh, he's like yeah. a, a, a tourist. Guide. Yeah, a guide. And uh-huh. so it's this one area that's it's like a 22 hour run. And it's Whoa. like only this one ferry goes along this like one area. Okay. Um. And so it's, my point is, I guess, is there's not a lot of people in this area where he's flying. And so 
But Don, he's a very experienced fly, uh, pilot. He's logged over 12,000 hours of flying, and he has an over 29-year career. Wow. So he's, you know, he's been doing this stuff. He's been running this charter service, uh-huh. running up and down British Columbia for since 2009. So okay. I mean, he's, wow. well, five years in. So on this one afternoon, Don and Marvin, uh-huh. who's also a pilot, are preparing to take their float plane from Wilderness Lodge in St. John Harbor. Okay. I apologize. To Athlone. Okay. Anyway. To this other place, 22 miles away. Okay. (laughs) So I apologize. And so now inside this cockpit, we have Don and we have his mechanic, Richard Pick, and then Marvin. And so they had just all gotten together and were packing up the plane to kind of head out. Okay. And waiting for them at St. John Harbor was Gordon McLeod. Don's electrician. Uh-huh. And so Marvin was flying the plane this day. So, and he had been flying since 1953. So oh, wow. he was also very experienced yeah. in flying. So as they sort of take off and head out, they notice that there's a fog bank coming in. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a fog bank? Like the mist? Yeah, kind of like the mist. Mm-hmm. Like where I lived in California, you could always sort of look out and see that the fog bank was coming in. Oh. And so it's like this giant wall of fog that you can just sort of see heading towards you. Mm. And so you know it's going to be foggy that night, you know, coming yeah. in from the coast. I only okay. lived like 20 minutes from the coast where oh. I grew up. So you could just always see it coming in. So Interesting. we have a lot of experience with fog banks. I don't know if a lot of people do. I don't. But so they see this fog bank kind of off hanging offshore Mm -hmm. and so they knew fog was common and it suddenly appears and sometimes it'll suddenly go away Mm -hmm. you know so they weren't like super worried about it so marvin so he circled around three times to kind of check things out uh he knew the crew was eager to get home for the weekend and that the fog could probably linger for days oh so they decided you know what let's just go for it we're used to this. It's nothing out of the ordinary. We have all our instruments. Let's just go for it. Hmm. They touch down in this kind of part way through their journey, and they pick up Gordon. Okay. So they're at St. John Harbor. They pick up Gordon. Then they had to sort of load up the plane again. So Marvin was worried about how much time it took to load Gordon's tools and supplies into the plane. Okay. Because, you know, we still have this fog bank coming in. They're eager to get home. It's just taking a little bit more time. So they get, finally, everyone into the plane. And he's reviewing the plan before sort of throttling and getting taken off. So for takeoff, he's going to sort of, he's on a float plane. So he's going to sort of skim out the on the water and search for a break in the fog to sort of be able to ascend up into clear skies. Mm. And he figured if this didn't work, if he wasn't able to find a break in the fog, he would just sort of circle down and land again. Oh, okay. And that was, he figured he could land and then taxi back before it got too thick. So he would land and taxi back before it got too thick, which is something he had done numerous times at other locations. Oh, okay. So he's kind of got experience with this right. fog. So, sure enough, it turns out the fog is impenetrable. It's oh. too thick than he expected, or it's, it's too thick for him, them to fly safely. Mm. So, according to plan, Marvin decided to sort of circle back and go land, and then, you know, maybe they would wait for another time to come up. Okay. 
So Marvin drops the wing and sets the flaps for landing. And just then he spots a sport fishing vessel on the water right where he anticipated coming down. So it's like, oh, crap, I'm about to land on a, a boat. I can't oh, do it. Gosh. So I got to he sort of pulls up again and then tries to find another gap in the fog. Oh, my God. So he comes down for his landing, is not able to land, pulls back up. OK. And uh, still in the fog, still in the fog. He tries to come around for another landing, uh-huh. and he realized that he's flying into a dead end. <gasps> what? So the land is coming up fast, and the plane is laboring to pick up speed and get up, and uh-huh. he realized that he's not even going to be able to climb above the trees. <gasps> so what? now on the water... Uh-huh. Skipper David Bell, who is piloting the ship or piloting the boat uh-huh. that was on the water where he was going to land, is like, uh, does that guy realize that we're in a cove? And Oh, a cove? Did, yeah, so they're sort of, he flew into a cove, what happened. So the entire thing is sort of enclosed in kind of a half circle, and oh. he flew right into some rock, <gasps> is what ended up happening. Oh, my gosh! Yeah, so... David saw the whole thing and was like, um, I'm not sure. So he sort of sees this plane materialize out of the fog, yeah. realizes he can't land, lifts back up into the fog and turns and heads right directly into the cove Whoa. because he just can't see anything. And he was like, no, they, they're going to make it out of there. That's okay. And then he realized like after he's looking at all of his navigational instruments uh-huh. that there's no way that they're going to clear that cove. Oh no. And so he started steering his boat towards that, that inlet of where the plane just flew. And then out of the fog, he could see this flaming ball <gasps> and realize that it was the wreckage of the oh, plane. No. Oh my and gosh. This plane had flown directly into some rocks. So, Richard Mellis, who is back on the docks uh-huh. of where they picked up Gordon, gets a Mayday call from David Bell, who was on the boat. Okay. And was like, Mayday, Mayday, I just saw this giant plane accident. You know, you guys need to get out here immediately right. and give him a hand. And so, what had happened is the plane had plowed directly into a rock shelf and shattered all the windows and the flames blasted through the cabin Richard who was the electrician I think if we remember correctly he was able to actually sort of elbow a door open oh so the whole thing's on fire Uh uh-huh smoke and all kinds of stuff and he's able to kind of get a door open and sort of fall out Out of the plane into the water no I guess actually at this point they're directly over rocks oh okay so but he didn't just explode well it did Kind of explode, but it did not kill. Like, David thought that there would be no survivors. Right. Like, the guy on the boat was like, forget it, they're all dead. But turns out that it was just sort of, I guess, partially on fire and did not explode completely. Well, there you go. So, Richard was able to work himself out of the plane, Uh is crumpled and below the burning aircraft. Okay. And so he's just trying to kind of figure out what's going on with his own body. Mm. And so he discovered that he had a tender spot on his head, but that was kind of really about it. So he was just like, I need to get to these other guys in the plane. He's probably just in shock. Probably. Right. So he re-enters the plane. Through the back door. Okay. And I guess there was this like unnerving whoosh of combustible fuel that like (laughs) came up at him. 
but he heard Gordon moan and he realized he was barely conscious after slamming Fort Gordon had slammed his head into the back side of the pilot seat. So oh. he I guess it's just like a real small sort of puddle jumper. Okay. You know, Indiana Jones style plane. Oh, okay, yes. And so there's really only like three rows of seats. Uh-huh. And so he just hit right into the pilot seat. So he was Ugh. sitting right behind him. And so Richard lunges in and Oh, to get him. Okay. Duh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm so like, he's, why are you going back? Why are you I going see? back in? No, he's going in to get the a uh, couple other guys in there. Oh. So Richard is able to get in there, undo Gordon's seatbelt, and then pull Gordon out. Wow. Gordon's head is bleeding profusely, but he grabbed his arm and guided Gordon to like a pile of rocks a few, like quite a few feet away and then bandaged his wound with his shirt and then decided to like go figure out what else is happening. Wow. So now less than a minute after impact, Don regains consciousness. Uh Uh-huh. So he glances to his left and sees that Marvin, our pilot, is slumped down in his seat unconscious. And he is actually pinned by the controls and by his seatbelt and that there's flames around his legs and feet. Oh, my God. So poor freaking Marvin is essentially on fire. Yeah. And, you know, you can see. And then Don was like, oh, shit, I am also on fire. <gasps> oh, and my gosh. And so he gets out of the plane uh-huh. and is able to actually get himself to a tidal pool uh-huh. that's close by and be able to douse all the flames. Oh, wow. So he's able to put himself out. But his knees and shin, shin was badly scorched, and he knew he couldn't leave Marvin in the plane. Yeah. So they had to go back and get him. Uh, so he climbed in through the co-pilot's door and released Marvin's seatbelt. And from the back seat, Richard was able to grab onto Marvin's belt, and together they were able to, like, oh, pull him work. out of the fus- yeah, fuselage. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Marvin's jaw was mangled. His <gasps> arms and his face were nearly charred. Oh like, my just completely burned. His lower body suffered the worst. Um, his work pants and, her, and his boots were essentially, like, burned away from the flames. And his skin was scalded to the point that tendons were visible on his <gasps> feet and legs. Oh my god! So, I mean, yeah, he was... He was in bad, bad shape. So Marvin's circulatory system was struggling to compensate for the fluid loss due to the third degree burns that covered nearly a third of his body. He was practically naked on the rocks and without medical intervention, it wouldn't be very long before he essentially died from his injuries. Oh my gosh. So Don removed his shirt and he wrapped it around Marvin's head. It was all he could do to stop the bleeding because apparently he is also bleeding from his head. Um, And Gordon was also uh, wavering in and out of consciousness. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) This is just a complete nightmare. Gordon is also, of course, having a really hard time staying awake and is bleeding also profusely Mm. from his head. And so Don yelled at him, you know, talk to me, Gord, you know, in an effort to keep him awake. And Don realized that he was gripped by his own adrenaline uh-huh. and he looked down and realized he was ignoring his own burns. Oh. And so he's just has oozing burns all over himself. <gasps> I mean, he's just oh blistered gosh. like crazy. And he knew soon he would start feeling the pain of his injuries, but he decided not to- yet. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, forget it. So the plane was still like on fire behind them and there was no emergency gear and no means of summoning help. Like everything that they had to get them help 
was in flames in the plane. But fortunately, news of the crash traveled fast because oh, of the boat. Yeah, because oh. of the guy in the boat, our David Bell. So the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Coast Guard mm-hmm. uh, deployed high-speed inflatable boat to try to get out there. So they had large uh, patrol vessels stocked with medical equipment mm-hmm. headed to the crash scene. And they had a rescue helicopter dispatched and headed towards them. But unfortunately, the helicopter ran into the same fog that they did. Right. And it had to head back and was not able to go assist them. Oh, my gosh. So now we have another Richard, not to be confused with our first Richard, Mm -hmm. uh, who is a first responder. And so he arrives on the scene about 15 minutes after the crash. Oh, wow. So they're able to get out there pretty quick. So they're able to guide their rescue inflatable boat over to the shore. Okay. And Richard, too, leaps onto the rocks, and he's got his arm full of survival suits that he had pulled from a fishing boat. Oh, okay. I know what they are. Are they, like, warm suits? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, crabbers wear them, so if they fall into the ocean. um... Well, he knew everyone would be in shock and needed to be made warm, as warm as possible. And another boat shows up a few minutes later, and Richard and the two other men that are there to help focus on Marvin first. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, his burns were the most severe. So the three men locked arms and made sort of a human stretcher for Marvin and were able to sort of walk him off the rocks. I know, my gosh. And then next they assisted Richard number one. And Dawn onto the boat and then Gordon. All right. With the victims on board, they start heading out and motoring towards the nearest town, which is Bella Bella. Marvin and Gordon were transferred to a Coast Guard rescue vehicle or vessel. And Dawn and Richard were met or were moved to a patrol vessel. So Marvin and Gordon, who had the worst injuries, were transferred to the Coast Guard rescue vehicle. Whereas Don and Richard were given to the uh, Royal Canadian patrol vessel. Okay. I probably didn't say that right. Like Royal Canadian Mounted Police. There it is. Sounds good. <laughs> they, they went with them. So the Coast Guard first aiders were able to get all of Marvin's burns dressed mm-hmm. and were able to sort of look at Gordon's head injury mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully stop the bleeding. And they realized that a lot of things had happened in their favor. The fact that that fishing charter that they almost landed on was right there and called for help immediately. I guess there happened to be a lot of doctors in that small little town that they went to that was able to... um, Address the... Yeah, they had a lot of extra resources that weekend. Wow. Just coincidentally. So that crash happened a long way from nowhere, and you look at the map, and they realize just how far away they were from, like, Vancouver Hospital, which was the big main hospital in British Columbia. But fortunately, they were able to be returned home with really not too bad of injuries. So here we go. So Don McNeese... He received probably some of the worst along with our poor Marvin. Mm -hmm. So he received skin grafts on his legs and his treatment kept him on bed rest for most of that following summer. Wow. Which ended up changing his approach to business. So he was a workaholic before, but when he was recovering, he could do 
almost nothing except for a look at his phone and email. And he realized he wasn't there. Everything still ran fine. Mm. So he could take a little more time and spend a little more, you know, slow things down. Self-care. Self-care, yes. And then Richard, who had very little except for some singed hair, ended up going back to work right away. Mm -hmm. And then Gordon, who recovered from a severe concussion, at home was actually very grateful for Marvin's quick response at the controls. Apparently, if he hadn't swerved just when he did, they don't think they would have been talking to them today. Like, they, oh, he really? crashed in just a way that they were able to actually survive. If Whoa. he had done things a little bit differently, none of them would have survived, is what they're feeling. He had actually made a prediction to his wife, like, forever ago, that... If I ever have a problem, if I'm ever in a jam, it's probably because of the fog. <gasps> and Ooh. sure enough, and he said this was worse than a close call, but to survive it was a miracle. All and of them so, survived. All of That's them survived. Crazy. There was no deaths on that plane crash, even though it caught on fire, caught them on fire. They were able to get out. And they probably get would help. have died, though, if. The boat didn't call for help. I think so. You know, I mean, granted, maybe if the boat wasn't there, they would have been able to land on the water okay. And oh. maybe it would have solved the whole thing. But no, because that boat was there, they were able to call for help, like, immediately. Right. Oh, interesting. I wonder how that would have played differently. Yeah. I wonder. They Either would have way, been able to they land. probably would have survived, so. Yeah. Ugh. How awful, though. That I know. fire is so, so scary. Fire is so scary. I would rather drown 100 yeah, percent absolutely and be caught on fire same oh i know i think this is my third or fourth plane crash that I've <laughs> talked about. you had some in between different ones so i appreciate that thank you i do what i can i do what i can oh lord wow this was a little that's bit very lucky because every time you like think of a plane crashing into a rock you think explosion and everyone's dead no it's straight up like what you see in indiana jones yeah. or something you know it's like and there's a big fireball yeah. and then of Death. course no one survives yeah and no they were able to make it unfortunately awesome. they had someone who was relatively unharmed i mean right granted, they were still hurt yeah but able to get them out thank you yeah goodness. that's true yeah because yeah. the pilot was unconscious yeah and on fire yeah so pilot slash co and the co-pilot oh, were right. both essentially mm-hmm. unconscious at least in the beginning yeah and then oh Wow. Nightmare. Well, good for them. I'm so, oh, they're so lucky. I I'm know. Just... Do I ever want to get into a small plane? No. Probably not. Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> My dad wants to learn how to fly, and I'm like, Dad, do you really, do you really <laughs> you want to do that? Did I tell you that when I was in high school, we had our big graduation night, uh-huh. and I um, won flying lessons. What? Yeah. I... What kind of budget did your school have? <laughs> we had a nice budget. Oh, yeah. shit. We were in a nice area, and there was oh. a lot of the parents that oh. uh, donated. Uh-huh. actually have, a, like, a really expensive painting also that's worth, what? like... What? It was worth, like, 1200 bucks back 25 years ago. So oh, my gosh. Knows? I got some fucking glow sticks and, like, a night out. No. I, mean, I got pilot lessons and oh it's, like, amazing painting. <laughs> and I never did the pilot lessons. What? Yes, I like still regret it to this day that I. Well, maybe it was meant to be that. You yeah, have. <laughs> that bitch is going into the rocks and me. <laughs> She's like fog. Let's try it. <laughs> what could I'm go wrong? Lucky. Yeah. Oh my god. 
Did I ever tell you about the one time that my <laughs> poor dad, like, he got this model airplane as a birthday gift or something from my mom, uh-huh. and it was this really nice model airplane. Uh-huh. So he and I go out, we're going to fly this thing, and... Like a remote, or like Yeah, it's a it. remote okay, one. Okay. And so, and it's, it's big. I mean, it's probably like four feet by, I oh, don't wow. know. It's large. Yeah. And so it's too big for me to try to... Like throw and okay. try to get it going so my dad gives me the controls oh god okay <laughs> yes exactly what happened so he's like you just need to hold it just like this and then so he runs he gets it going he lets it go it's like right into the ground like in one second and then the model plane broke and that was the end of the whole thing so, I mean, you were a child. No one I mean, would have survived that. Yeah, I was like nine or something like that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I felt so bad. Oh, wow. We had driven like a half an hour to get this cool field like where there was no one. And Aww. then we had to pile into the car two minutes later and leave. <laughs> My poor dad. Poor dad. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. I'm sure he, well, I don't know. No, nothing. <laughs> I'm trying to find a silver lining. I think we, I think we sold it at a, a fair or a flea market or oh. something like that. Like three years later, broken. <laughs> Sad. Someone broke it. Someone bought it for like twenty dollars. Oh. That was oh uh, yeah. Well, it was still a memory. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> the time I I broke my dad's dreams. Oh. <laughs> I think that's every child's yeah. reality. <laughs> We've all done it at one point. Yeah. Oh goodness! Oh, all poor right. Parents. Uh, all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. There was and... a lot of people caught on fire in what? this episode. Oh, this yeah, this episode. Yeah, I thought you meant your dad. Um, no, he never caught on fire. That's good. That's no. good. Um, so please follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, keep an eye out for our kickass swag. Yes, coming. it's coming, and episode 100's coming up, too. Oh, so my goodness. Look out for maybe a giveaway. Ooh, ooh, ooh. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, bitches. Bye. Oh, Lord.